Coming up on this week's show, we talk to audiobook narrator Finn Sterling, the voice behind our book, The Hockey Player's Heart. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 136 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters on Patreon. We want to give a big thank you to Kendra, who this week upped her pledge. Yes, thank you, Kendra. That's awesome. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Welcome back, everyone. Got another episode, another great week. Uh, we hope you uh, had a fantastic week as well. Mm-hmm. I've got lots of good reading, lots of great books. News. News. Yes. Uh, the Schooled release went really well. Uh, I'm pleased with how everything went with the blog tour and everything. Uh, a lot of people got registered to get some free books, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, a note about Schooled, uh, to kind of celebrate that, uh, Harmony Inc. and Dream Spinner have made Tracker Hacker, the first book in that series, free across most of the platforms like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, Kobo, and it's free through Tuesday the 15th. So you got a couple days if you want to go pick that up for free and get in on the Codename Winger series. Uh, other stuff, it's been like a big Winger week. Uh, the Galley for Audio Assault, which is the third book, is now complete and has a no- release date of November 27th. So right after Thanksgiving, Theo gets to go have his third adventure, which is cool. Uh, finalized the cover for Audio Assault and... Even ended up finalizing the cover for the fourth book. Uh, one of the options was so perfect. I went, that's book four before we ever had book three figured out. <laughs> uh, I love Aaron Anderson, our co- my cover designer on that. He does such a good job. And I continue to write on Winger 4, which is giving me a little which grief. You're, but You're going to finish it eventually. I will finish it. I have faith. I do too. <laughs> I have the vision. It's just all these little pieces, parts to get this book right because it's kind of the culmination of the previous three, is, uh, you know, taking a little extra time. That's okay. Uh, We do want to give a congratulations to Mark, Maureen, and Katie. Uh, They were all winners in the Kira Andrews ebook giveaway we had, and they all each got a copy of Valor on the Move. And we have another giveaway coming up this week because we're going to give away some audible codes, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, And finally, last bit of news, Uh, Tammy Middleton let us know uh, last week that the Autism Awareness Month auction that she was running in April uh, raised about $2,400, which is awesome. And thanks to everyone who uh, took a moment to bid on those great items to support this cause. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the schoolteacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart in ebook, paperback, 
or as an audiobook performed by me, Vince Sterling, wherever you buy books. So before we get to the book Palooza, which we kind of have for this episode, a uh, quick look over at TV. We have actually been watching a little tiny bit of Dancing with the Stars. I mean, we abandoned this program a few seasons ago because they were kind of getting the bottom of the barrel on some of those celebrities. But how can you not watch Adder Rapan on Dancing with the Stars? Uh, I've enjoyed his two performances so far. Uh, he seems to be uh, dancing really well, which is kind of not a surprise because he's already used to taking choreography for skating. Uh, but he's turned in some really good performances, and of course he's a delight to watch on TV anyway. Uh, have you enjoyed his, his two weeks so far? I have enjoyed it as well. Um, I think he has given that stodgy old show <laughs> a good shot on the arm that it so desperately needed. Um, they've also changed uh, the format of the show. Uh, instead of the bloated competition that it has always been, it is a short summer four-week run, mm-hmm. which means that they are having performances and eliminations in the same episode, uh, and there are only four episodes. So. Yeah. And we're actually halfway through as of this yeah. week, so only two more weeks to go. Uh, I don't like this trend that has happened where only the East Coast gets to vote live. Uh, it's a little annoying to have to remember to vote uh, between like 5 and, uh, what is that, 5 and 7 p.m. Uh, West Coast time before you could even see what's happened on the show. But Adam gets all the votes for this anyway. So yep. my one gripe is that they have yet to send him up to the skybox to talk to Aaron. Uh, whatever When he performs, he always has to skitter off to do something else or it's time for the eliminations. And I'm annoyed he hasn't had a post-performance interview yet. So hopefully they'll fix that in the next coming couple of weeks. Off to book review land we go. Now, you're going to kick us off. You uh, went went down a wrestling path this week. (laughs) Um, Now, generally, uh, sports romances aren't... um, They're not his thing. They're not my thing. Um, But uh, let us remember that there is romance in sports romance. So uh, that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> and let's remember, I made you write one. Yes, you did no! make me write one. You did make me write one. Um, here's the thing about wrestling. You would think I would love wrestling to pieces because it's got big, brawny, good-looking men and you know, tight, flashy outfits and they're very outrageous and theatrical. I mean, that's like totally my thing. But um, despite all of that, eventually they end up like wailing on one another. <laughs> Um, and that's just not my particular kink. So, uh, while I don't, uh, appreciate wrestling, I did appreciate, uh, Krista Tomlinson's Showing Him the Ropes. That is the first book in her Champions of Desire series, which, personally, gets my vote for best series title ever. Ever? Wow, okay. (laughs) Champions of Desire. How can you not want to read that book? Come on. Okay, so... Showing Him the Ropes is about Chance. Uh, His character that he's been playing for many, many years is the Chancellor. He is a heel, i.e. a bad guy, uh, on this um, uh, pro wrestling outfit that he's been uh, working with for many, many, many years. Uh, He's essentially the grizzled veteran who has to take the new guy under his wing. Uh, Mm. The promoter uh, has found a new talent, uh, and he wants to make sure that Devin... Um, does things the right way and is introduced into um, 
the storylines uh, correctly and he also wants to make sure that he behaves himself and doesn't like get you know start off on the wrong foot mm -hmm. so uh he gets paired with chance uh, and chance is the gruff old veteran and Devin is the you know perky fun uh new guy uh Devin has admired uh, the Chancellor for many, many years. He's had a crush on him forever, so he's kind of in heaven. Um, <laughs> not only is he getting his big shot at pro wrestling, uh, he is rooming with the guy he's like uh, been in love with for uh, many, many years. Um, there's a lot... Uh, initially, there is a ton of attraction. Of course, they're both, you know, sexy, virile men. <laughs> <laughs> so there is an immediate attraction between them. But uh, Chance, um, as the older pro, uh, wants to keep um, Devin at arm's length because, you know, they need to keep things professional. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, um, uh, go away, come here. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to their interactions at the beginning of the book. Uh, eventually, they begin to give in. Uh, there's some like, kissing and some fondling, and eventually they kind of hook up. And um, Devin uh, is doing really, really well. They uh, introduce him rather quickly into the rotation. Uh, fans seem to really be into him. Uh, but one night, he gets a little cocky um, and goes off script uh, and ends up injuring himself in the ring. Uh -uh. So that uh, means he's got an injury that he has to rehab, and he's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, he ends up uh, staying with Chance at his uh, house while um, he gets better. Uh, and that's sort of... Um, <laughs> they, they can't resist each other anymore! <laughs> Is there a touch of forced proximity there, perhaps? Forced proximity! Yay! I love that. Okay. Um, so, essentially, they start down the path of a relationship, though, even though it's not the best idea in the world. Anyway, so, while love is blossoming, um, there's uh, some stuff going on. Uh, someone from a rival outfit is uh, stealing some plot storylines from some of the things that they've gone on. So there's a little bit of wrestling intrigue that they have to deal with. Um, the hard partying champion uh, gets sidelined. So the championship belt is like pretty much up for grabs. Uh, and uh, Devin is uh, at the head of the list. Uh, also during the season, the the... Most of the book takes place over uh, a couple of months, the, uh, essentially uh, the length of the season that they're like out on the road. They do several live shows and then a televised match every weekend. Mm -hmm. So they're on and off. And uh, it all leads to the big championship match at the end of the season. Uh, Chance uh, is essentially decided he's going to retire. Uh, and the uh, final match is between Chance and and Devin. Of course it is. It has to be. Um, and here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I was like deeply invested <laughs> in how this match turned out, which is utterly ridiculous. I mean, it's all, it's all planned out ahead of time. It's all choreographed. We know exactly what's going to happen, but it was still um, uh, really important to me as a reader. Um, and I think that... 
speaks to how well we understand uh, the emotions and what is at stake for this character, these characters. So thank you, Krista Tomlinson. Um, I really, really love this book an awful lot. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the second book in the Champions of Desire series. So I highly recommend this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Krista, we can say, will be on the show uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll get to talk to her about Yes, uh, something creating, to look forward to. Creating some wrestling romance. Uh, next up is a book we actually both did at the same time. Uh, Lucy Linnick seems to have become our go-to book for road trips. <laughs> uh, and we uh, downloaded and listened to Wildfire uh, on a recent road trip that we took, which is the third book in her Forever Wild series. Uh, I'll just say up front, I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. The story of Fireman Otto, and uh, who is the wild of this book, and uh, Sheriff Walker, who uh, was a childhood friend and first love uh, for, for Otto. Uh, would you like to give us the rundown on this book, since you do the rundowns much better than I do? Well, that's a, uh, you, well you essentially summed it up in a nutshell. Um, Otto Wild is retired from the Navy. Uh, and he's come back to the small town of Hobie. I believe it's in Texas, right? Yes. Yes, it's in Texas. Uh, to Hobie. And he's essentially going to uh, uh, join the fire crew there. Uh, uh, only to discover that Seth Walker, his long-ago love, uh, has become sheriff of their small town. Uh, both of these guys are... Um... They're damaged. Yeah, they're damaged. I think. In, <laughs> they're damaged because their their relationship fell apart, and they're damaged because of things that have happened in the ten years that the, they've essentially been separated. Yeah, um, um, so they have to navigate some of the essentially the the bulk of the book is them trying to navigate the baggage of what happened during those ten years. What was actually really really nice is uh, Lucy began each chapter with a short note. Um, Otto and Seth um, wrote letters back and forth to one another. That way we could essentially frame each chapter with something that happened in the past with the two of them without having to like go into like a flashback or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so that was actually uh, really well done. It really gave us... Uh, uh, frankly, a deeper understanding of where each of these characters are coming from and the the issues that they have to navigate. Um, as with all of Lucy's books, there is a large secondary cast. Um, both Otto and Seth have to deal with the trials and tribulations of various family members before they can find their happily ever after. Uh, When they eventually do commit to one another, uh, unfortunately they have to deal with an arsonist that is plaguing their small town. So, um, once again, Lucy hits it out of the park. It's a really great book. Uh, As as always, um, I think um, Lucy excels at really rich, deeply emotional stories and characters that we care for uh, in the in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. She was so deft with the way she did flashbacks because flashbacks uh, often the way, the just... The way she didn't do flashbacks. Well, did but didn't. She gave you that pass. <laughs> Those letters are super short. Uh, I imagine on a written page, they probably don't take up an entire page. Uh... So you get that little nugget of their past, which is so important without 
ripping you out of the present story. And these letters, uh, there get to be some where they've written them and not sent them for reasons. And it'll be like, you get the letter, and then it's like, unsent. And it's like, oh! And that, every time that happened, it just stabbed at my heart that there were these letters that didn't get sent for, for very good reasons. But still, it was like, mm. uh, This book was really tense. Uh, it made me... Oh, ever so tense as we were in the car, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Even though I knew there had to be a happily ever after on the other side. Um, so yeah, once again, she just nailed it with these wild books. And I look forward to four. Uh, I don't know who it is, but there's a few options that came out of this book that I'm like, ooh, maybe that person or maybe that person. Uh, but yeah, look forward to seeing where she takes this. And the the narration, I believe it was Michael Pauley. Michael um, Polly once again, did a wonderful, once wonderful again, job. Once again, big thumbs up to him as well. Yes, so we both highly recommend Wildfire by Lucy Lennox. Yes. Now, you read a book. Um, I read a couple, actually. <laughs> you got a, Well, first, let's talk about a sneaky peek. Yeah, this is a little sneaky peek. I actually read this one a while ago, too, uh, because I had the sneaky peek. So, Nothing Happened uh, by Molly Booth. Uh, now, this releases on Tuesday. It's a YA. Um, and I actually found out about this book very early this year, uh, when Sarah Wendell and the the clan over at Smart Bitches did their uh, year in, like their project, their what they wanted to read in 2018 that they were really excited about on the on the podcast uh, the first week of 2018. She mentioned this in episode 280, and I was like, "Yeah, I need that book," <laughs> and went immediately over to NetGalley to, to snag it. Uh, this is essentially much ado about nothing at summer camp. We've got sisters B and Hannah who actually live at Camp Dogberry because their parents own it. Uh, and they've loved going to camp since they were kids and now that they're older they're actually counselors. Uh, and for B this is likely her last year because it's time to go to college. Um, now B was all excited about this being her last year but then Ben came back even though he wasn't planning to. These two had some kind of drama last summer um, but, I, was, I was never the same again after that summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my husband. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing that winds its way through this book, which does use flashbacks, but uses them as a, as a good storytelling device here, is that B and Ben have very different recollections of what happened or did not happen between them. And it's a really interesting look at how perception is really everything. And it's one of those things that you could look at it in one way. It's like, well, why aren't these two talking to each other about this? But then as their perceptions are so different, you also kind of get why they aren't. But they do eventually sort it out as all good kind of romances happen, even in the YA genre. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, um, Hannah has actually developed a crush on uh, Claudia, who is a very uh, rather insecure young woman. Um, and that relationship gives this troublemaker John just so much drama to create as he tries to play one against the other and create a ton of drama around what's happening with these two. And you kind of want to punch John in the long run. Uh, I will say that <laughs> all this drama that unfolds as they try to keep camp going and they're all doing their counselor things and by day making the kids have, you know, have their good time and at night kind of all this stuff unfolds during counselor parties and stuff. Uh, it all comes down to one kind of epic final game with the counselors of Capture the Flag, which I, I've 
A, I've never been to camp, so I don't know what that experience is like. But I now feel like I've been to camp because yeah. Molly just laid all of this out in in such a great way. How session to session happened. Kids come in, kids go out, kids get to do this, the counselor to doing this. And so, yeah, I kind of feel like I've been to camp, which was kind of cool. She also very deftly handles this large cast of characters, which she also moves POV around. So it's not just B's book and it's not just Hannah's book. Each chapter heads off with who whose point of view you're in, whether it's the girls, it could be Ben, it could be Claudia, it could be John, it could be somebody else. And it all blends itself together really well so you're getting the pov that you actually needed for that moment um the relationships played out great i think she had all the angst of kind of growing up with what can i tell this person did this really happen am i going crazy um i loved it and it, it does end uh, upbeat and i think it's a great summer read if you like YA, you can pick it up you can pick it up for your you know, if you've got teens in your life who like to read this kind of book, I highly recommend it. It's Molly Booth's Nothing Happened. Cool. Um, so, yeah, give that a look. Um, and then I, I had to, I finally got the opportunity to uh, pay my visit back to the Simon verse, as it has come to be known, uh, with uh, Becky Albertalli's sequel to Simon and the Ho- versus the Homo Sapien Agenda called Leah on the Offbeat. Um, no joke, I love this book, of course, because I'm kind of predisposed to love it. Um, I did the audiobook of it, which is voiced by Shannon Purser. Uh, she did a great job uh, with Leah. She gets Leah, if you've read Simon or you've seen the film, you know that Leah is kind of this quirky, um, sometimes shy, sometimes gruff uh, young woman. And you find out in this book, you know, some of her insecurities, she's from, she's she's not as rich as her friends. She's got a single mom. They live in, in not the rich part of the neighborhood. Um, so all that kind of weighs on her, that she's got all these friends who have all these opportunities and leave these great lives with, you know, all the right parents and everybody's together. And then there's her. And that kind of weighs on her a little bit. She's got some body images in there. She wonders... She's very creative. She plays the drums. She draws, but she's not convinced of her creativity. Um, so she's got all those, you know, kind of hangups uh, that one would expect. Um, and we come to find out that she's also bi. And even though you know she's got the best gay best friend in the world, she can't even figure out how to tell Simon this news um, or what to do with it for herself. Um, I laughed, I cried. It's such a cliche to say that, um, but it's true. Uh, of course, Becky nails everything in this book uh, from the characters evolving from where we saw them last in Simon. Uh, Simon took place during their junior year. This moves forward to senior year. So Simon and Bram are still together and are going strong and everybody's looking at colleges and getting ready to go to prom. And I will say that the... the uh, Promposal between Simon and Bram made me cry because it was so cute. Um, the prom itself goes very much into John Hughes territory, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about this book. And, you know, I was predisposed to like it, and I did. And I hope there's a movie, maybe, because, you know, Leah can have the sequel to Simon. That'd be good. And I would totally be into that. Um, but, yeah, it's a deep dive into her world. It's all her POV. 
But fans of Simon will love it too because Simon being her BFF is all over this book. So yeah, pick up Leah on the offbeat uh, if you were into Simon. Uh, that's Becky Albertalli's follow-up and it was great. Awesome. Now, if any of these books sound good to you, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com and you can pick up any of the books we just mentioned. Uh, All you have to do is click on the little clicky links and that will support this podcast through our affiliate links. Mm -hmm. Now, you can also support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. And for as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. Um, Every little bit helps. Um, Absolutely. Truly, guys, we're very, very grateful uh, for everyone who has supported us um, through Patreon uh, with their monetary support. But... Everyone who also um, talks this show up to their friends or leaves review on like iTunes, um, it all helps and we all genuinely appreciate it. Um, so when it comes to Patreon, yes, <laughs> um, you can get all the information at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So for this week, we got the uh, opportunity to talk to Finn Sterling. Finn is the voice, as I mentioned up front, of the hockey player's heart, uh, which we think he did a great job on. Also the voice of many other Dream Spinner books and some stuff by some other authors. Uh, and we'll talk about all that stuff inside the pod- inside the podcast. No, inside the interview. This is the podcast. Uh, and we talk about the giveaway that he's got for us, too. Shall we check that out? Yes, let's. I'm excited to welcome Finn Sterling to the podcast. Finn is the audiobook narrator alter ego of Jess Hanks. Jess was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. He studied theater at Otterbein College and spent some time in New York honing his craft and touring the country. After leaving NYC and living in Fort Lauderdale, Memphis, he returned to Columbus and, in no particular order, formed a theater company, taught middle school at an all-girls school, middle school theater, rather, recorded and released a couple of his own CDs, and joined a band called The Martini Affair, which performs all over Ohio and surrounding states. And by day, as if he's not doing enough, Jeff, Jess is a realtor helping people find the perfect home. Welcome. Thanks. You're a busy guy. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. It's, um, I was telling somebody recently about my schedule and, and they were curious as to when I slept and it's kind of whenever I can. I mean, I don't, I can get by without a lot of sleep. So that's, that's kind of a good thing. That's a but, good thing. Uh, yeah. I keep busy. Because this is a lot of stuff you've got stuffed in here. And an audiobook narration on top of all of it. And, of course, we're thrilled to have you here because you did our book, The Hockey Player's Heart, which we adored the narration that you did for it. It kind of captured Caleb and Aaron so well. Oh, good. Um, How did you get started in audiobook narration with all this other creative stuff that you're already doing? It was was kind of by accident. And it was sort of an offshoot of... The Martini Affair, the band that you just mentioned, um, we have a guy, we were playing a bar in a, in a nearby town, 
And there was a guy running sound for us that night. And he introduced me to what are called in-ear monitors. And so he and I developed a really nice bond. And I asked him to come over to my house and help me with some studio stuff that I was working on. And he, as we were wrapping up with, with that little project, he says to me, well, I have to get home and, and get back to my studio at home because my wife and I do um, on book uh, we do a voiceover narration for 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 audiobooks. And so I was like, oh, well, I majored in theater. And so I know about, you know, theater and creating characters and things like that. So if you ever need some um, some additional help, let me know. I'd love to, you know, to do some work for you. And he says, yeah, that's totally cool. But I need to let you know that it is for the genre that we do is gay romance novels. <laughs> and so I was like, hey. Whatever, let's do it. Let's see how it goes. So, like I said, it was kind of by accident, but a very happy accident. Because um, I've really enjoyed doing this work. I don't do theater that much anymore. The band takes up a lot of time. Um, so this is a nice little theatrical outlet for me. You know, I still get to perform with the band and a couple other things that I do here and there. Um, but this is just a, a nice and a pretty easy, low-stress uh way to to create characters and perform uh in and of itself so that's that's really nice sure and essentially each book is kind of a one-man show where you're doing you know easily i imagine in most of them at least a half a dozen characters if not more yeah at least yeah usually more but but definitely uh anywhere from six to ten is, is pretty normal yeah yeah what's your preparation as you start up a book the the first thing that I do is I just I really like to see the characters in my head and see how they interact with each other and see what you know what sort of brings them to the high brings them to their highs and, and takes them down to their lows. Uh, that's first and foremost what I do is just see them in my mind's eye. And then as I read, you know, the more I read in the book, um, I sort of develop a not only a visual representation of that character but also an aural. A-U-R-A-L representation, just how they sound and what their voices sound like and what their regional dialects might be. And are they a high voice, a low voice, nasal, uh, in the throat, all the things like that. And then, you know, a big part is making sure that I know how to pronounce and understand all the words correctly that I don't see on a regular basis in my own everyday life. So I think that's, that's the gist of it, you know, seeing the character, hearing the character, um, and just understanding what makes them tick and, and putting that into it, – it's, it's hard – not really hard, but it's, it is challenging figuring out, figuring out a way to make them – how do you make them come across physically through – just through hearing their voices? And um, so that, that takes a lot of visualization on, on the narrative. And um, so I think those are, those are sort of the – the, the main ways that, that I approach the book and, and each character therein. And, and sounds similar to what I might expect, like if you were preparing to portray any one of these people on stage, just finding that. that Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Except it's interesting how you mentioned trying to find the physical representation to bring that through in the audiobook, And I, I, I think to the characters that we had, where we had like the big hockey player and then the school teacher. Uh huh. And 
physically and then even in the book they're described you know different because obviously the hockey player is kind of big and and sure. the school teachers more your normal normal average joe right right do you have a favorite um, type of character to play i really like this is sort of, there's two sort of two answers to this question um i really like the, the sort of the the witty borderline sarcastic sort of snitty character sometimes <laughs> um they're just so much fun to play and uh and especially i did one recently where that character was the the narrator was the it was a first person narration um so i got to play him throughout the entire book and and those are just really cool because you just get to you get to take it easy a little bit and and I, I like to do when when lines are are funny when there's a comedic line or a bit, I like to sort of play with it a little bit and do vocally what's what's maybe a, a little unexpected. So you know having a character that gets to 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 be that way throughout the entire story is a lot of fun. So those are my those are my favorite characters, mm-hmm. just the ones that are you know a little, you know, <laughs> they can sometimes be. A little obnoxious, but they're fun. Yeah. What book is that? Can you give us a title? Stalking Buffalo Bill. And it's Ooh. it's kind of like a, a story where these these two guys are uh, they have these animal personas. So they're not quite werewolves, but they do change into animals under a certain set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Shifter books are very popular. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. And how often do you get to do first person? Because so often romance is in third. Yeah, and not very often. I mean, I think of all the books I've done, and I, 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 I think the the number of books that I've done is somewhere between fifteen and twenty, maybe, maybe. Um, That's about right from what I've seen on Audible. Yeah, with what's out at the moment. Yeah, um, and and I think there have maybe been two out of all the ones I've done. I can think of two, um, where the the it was a first person narrative or narration. Mm-hmm. Is there a preference to that or is it just a different set of, of approach? Uh, a preference for me, you mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun being able to play a character throughout the entire story. Um, with the narrator, you know, you've got to be, you have to be impartial and you have to, you can't really give away too much of the, I think as, as the narrator, at least for me, I don't like to give away too much of the character's emotions because I think then you, you run the risk of maybe spoiling some things somewhere further down in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like being able to, to really have that emotion throughout the story as, as the first person narrator. I just, and you get to just having, having personality throughout the entire story is just, I kind of like it. It's fun. Do you think about as you're creating character how you need to differentiate book to book? Like, do you try to make your make it aware where you're not bringing the same voice into a, a different book, or because it's a different production entirely, does that really matter? It 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 does matter to me. I mean, I, I don't like, and I I know that there have been some characters who who do sound similar. Um, but for me, I, I just, I don't really like to repeat myself. Um, I, I just, I like to keep things different, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, each, 
even even though there may be some some characters that are very similar in terms of how they're written or how they are their personalities it's a you know it's still a different person it's a different person experiencing a different set of circumstances and so i i i don't like to um yeah i i just i'd like to put as much thought into the characters as the narrator as the writer has mm-hmm. you know into the characters they've created out of thin air that's very cool what appeals to you most about voicing romance because most of your catalog is romance and in particular most of it the vast majority of it's gay romance yes um this is it's it's more technical than anything else but but it's because the subject matter is a little softer and a little in most cases a little gentler that that's it's easy on the voice Hmm. so um, you know, I can do, I can sit for, you know, three, four, five, six hours and not just be vocally exhausted by the end of the, uh, by the end of the, of the session. Um, and it's, it's just, it's nice. Romance is always nice. It's, um, it's just, you know, it's always, it's rarely is it an unhappy ending and, you know, you're dealing with people that are even though they're having some dark experiences and some some cloudy moments throughout the story, you know, they're 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 optimistic and they're putting their faith in another person and they're putting them faith in themselves on some levels. So it's it's just it's a it's a nice it's it's just, it's a nice mindset to be in, you know, for that that period of time. Yeah, that's certainly true. Now, I'll, I'll cop to something that I don't think I mentioned on the show when I talked about having listened to Hockey Player's Heart. But despite the fact that it's my book and I know exactly what's happening in the story, you did manage to make me cry a couple times. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Do you get swept up in the emotion of the book like that when you're narrating it? And maybe you need to take a moment or something? or You know... That's a really good question. And I, I'm trying to think there actually, and I, two things. And, and one of this is sort of a theater thing. Um, I think any story, whether it's a play, whether it's a movie, whether even if it's a TV show or a book, um, you're dealing with people who are, while they may be normal people in their everyday lives, the writer has, has taken these people and put them in very important moments of their life whether that's because they're in a, in a romance that they never thought would ever happen or whether it's because they have, you know, gained superpowers or because they've decided to take down a a corporation, whatever. It's a big moment. And I think big moments, you know, are often accompanied by tears of joy or tears of, of sadness, whatever, whether it's a good big moment or a bad big moment. And I, I actually do. Now that you say that, I do remember getting a little choked up myself during Hockey Player's Heart. And I can't remember the exact scenes, but there I do remember a couple times um, just getting a little, you know, a little <laughs> getting a little caught up in it. Um, so that you know, long answer to your your pretty straightforward question. Um, I I, hmm, I think I try to get caught up as the characters, as the narrator. Again, I like to be impartial and I like to be sort of outside looking in but as the as the characters I, I think it's I think it's important I think it's important to make the the characters really experience 
what they're experiencing and, and again, be able to share that and convey that to the, the listening audience. Mm -hmm. If that, that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Certainly. Now, as we noted, there's, there's a couple of things that fall outside of gay romance and you, you've got a couple of audiobooks that are, uh, male, female in the indulging series, and you actually share narration duties there. Yes. What's, what's that like to, to collaborate on, on something like that? It, one of the things that I really like about it is, and, and you asked earlier about, do I try to keep my voices distinct for each, um, for each story? Women's voices are really hard because I have my, my speaking voice is kind of low. So to try to come up with, um, to try to create female voices can be really challenging. So, and I think having a, a woman be able to, having a, a female narrator be able to do the female characters, it's pretty great. Um, but it's, it's I, I think as far as the collaborative aspect of it, you know, everybody's, we talk in advance or at least communicate through email or text or, or whatever. So everybody's pretty much on the same page. And it, there's not really, you know, everything is pretty written. It, it, everything is, since it's already written out, there's not a lot of guesswork on either of our parts, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that it's, it, I, I like it. I mean, I, and I, I also like being able to, to hear the other side of a conversation, you know, hearing somebody else's voice and, and how I, as the character that I'm creating react to that is, is kind of interesting. Do you record together in those situations or are they just separate? And I think once we did, uh, and this was a while ago, so I don't remember if we actually did record together or if we just sort of did like a, a quote unquote screen test, um, sort of, a, you know, an audio test for it. But, um, but I, I think one we did and one we didn't. And, and there's not really, not a huge difference either way. Mm -hmm. At least it, from my experiences. Well, we know whole, whole duets can be done in music where the two singers are never in the same place at the same time, never even, you know, hearing each other. So, Right. <laughs> uh, now, you've also got the sci-fi series, Empires of War, which totally different, which I'm imagining is one of the places where you need to know how everything is pronounced because it's like made up stuff in some cases. Yeah. Uh, how, how sci-fi for you to do? I imagine you get to use your deep baritone there a little bit more, perhaps. I, I do. And that was that was one of the interesting things about that one was I created I don't remember the the creatures' names that were, you know, the the, the villains in, in those in that series. Um but I created this really gravelly, um, low voice. And then, you know, as we keep reading these books more and more of these characters keep coming up and they've all, so I had to keep figuring out a way to make each one of them different. And that was, that was tough. Um, but that was just being in a whole other genre. It, it was, it was cool being able to, you know, sort of put yourself in a place that's not on this world, characters that are dealing with a completely different set of, um, of issues and, and moments it, it was it was really it was pretty awesome, um, but I still think I like the romance a little bit better. <laughs> Which might negate this next question: Are there genres <laughs> you'd like to voice that you haven't yet? Absolutely, I would. I would love to do 
just like a, a straight up comedy book. I mean, just one that's written specifically to be funny. Um, I, I just, I just like those a lot. Um, and there are some comedic characters in some of the books that I've done. Um, but you know, being, being in the romance genre, you don't really want to focus too much on the comedy. Otherwise it sort of takes away from, from the, the, the romantic aspect of it. But I, I would really like to, you know, just instead of having one funny character play off, you know, sort of a serious character or, or a character who's full of self-doubt and despair, you know, having two characters play off each other would be a lot of fun. I think that'd be a blast. And, and I think also, you know, with, um, with romance, you, your voices have to, have to sort of fit into a specific kind of style. At least I think you can't go too far one way or the other, or it could get a little weird. Um, with, with comedy, you can really, you know, go all out and, and really play around and really do some experimentation that I think mm-hmm. would be fun too. Well, for authors who are listening, there you go. Find the comedy, send it over to Jess, there see what happens. <laughs> what do you read separate from your narration? Kind of like what, what's on your bedside table? Um, I read a lot of books about real estate just to, you know, sort of keep uh, in, in that loop. Um, I have recently, I've had a lot of classic novels on my shelves for, um, uh, probably for the last five to 10 years. And in the last two weeks, I picked up Moby Dick Hmm. and just have never really had any real desire to read it. Didn't read it in, in high school or anything, but I have been surprised at how much, what an engaging story it is. Um, so, so that is the one piece of fiction literature that I, I've been reading in the last few weeks. And, and I, I haven't really picked up any, any fiction for a really long time. Um, it's all been like nonfiction and biographies and things like that in the last several years. So it's nice to have, uh, you know, a little literary escape. Sure. And it's like totally different than what you're, what you're voicing. Um, although I have to say, I have to say, the relationship between Ishmael and, and Queequeg, I'm not really sure what all's going on there. <laughs> There's even some things that I, I I'm questioning if they were euphemisms. Hmm. Uh, so so I don't know. I don't know. It may not be. <laughs> it may not be all that different. Um, <laughs> it's like how many books do you tend to do in a month, in a year, from on the narration side? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say anywhere from, it takes me about a four or five weeks, um, just based on my schedule to, to narrate, to get through. Although the last couple ones that I did, I would just knock out like, you know, really long sessions during a, a work day. Um, but I, I think a month. So I, anywhere from, Probably eight to twelve books a year is about what I would do. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Keep it, keeping it going. Let's talk a little bit about your music, just so that folks kind of know what goes on there. Now, you do have a CD available on iTunes. Yes, which is pretty See, cool. What what kind of music uh, is happening over there? Because I have not had a chance to preview it before we got to talk. Okay. Um, someone once described it as a combination of 
Steely Dan, Radiohead, and The Police. Because, oh. which, you know, is great. Um, and I can't remember, I think the chord progressions were a little Steely Danish, and they said that the guitars sounded very Andy Summersy. Um, I don't remember where the Radiohead thing came from, <laughs> but but um, it's just fairly pretty pretty laid back music. That's a good way to put it. Pretty laid back. Um, I'm working on some more stuff that I would like to kick it up a notch. Um, but that's the best way I can answer that question. And sorry, the, songs that you wrote or yeah, and I. I did all the instrumentation. I did the the mixing and the mastering. I think that's one area that I would like to go back and redo because it eh, that's that's not that's my least my area of least experience. So I, I need to keep working on that. But um, but somebody a couple people from Germany like emailed me and said, "Hey, I really like your sound. That sounds really good." So so that was cool. That's very cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll link up to it in the show notes, and people can go take a sample on iTunes. Thank you. And and this band you've got, uh, Martini Affair. Um, yes. What's that about? That is about five people getting up and acting. First of all, doing top forty dance music. Um. To like Black Eyed Peas or Pitbull or Kesha. Uh, just to name a few and we do from like 90s 80s contemporary and it's about five people getting up all acting like seven-year-olds that are hearing their favorite song i mean we just <laughs> literally if you if you find us on facebook at the martini affair we have a facebook page and you watch some of our videos i mean there's a lot of jumping around a lot of just people that are really having a good time uh the five of us that's and how i that would is, describe it it's a lot of happy going on which is great yeah and then we you know it's it's a good opportunity for people that have maybe had kind of a rough week or a stressful last few days they can come in to wherever we're playing and uh you know have a few drinks and just cut loose for a little bit and sort of forget whatever negatives they've been experiencing in the last uh you know however long it's been that's very cool we'll link up to that facebook page too and let people check that out awesome now we do have a giveaway uh, we've actually teamed up with Dream Spinner uh, right. to give away Audible codes to four lucky listeners, so that they can grab one of your audiobooks. And you've worked with, you've done some really great stuff with some authors. So it's not only including Hockey Player's Heart from us, but you've done work for Casey Wells, Mary Calmay, Sue Brown, P.D. Singer, Scotty Cade, and some others. Yes. And uh, in the show notes, we'll we'll have a link to the to the Audible listing of all of your titles, so people can check that out. And uh, we'll have a raffle copter on the show notes so that people can go enter some information and see about getting an audio code so they can get one of your books. Beautiful. How can people keep up with the Finn side of your life on social media? You're not an easy guy to find in my research. <laughs> and I, I was, um, I, I'm like 90% certain that I started a Finn Sterling Facebook page a while ago, but I think after just not being too active on it that Facebook decided to shut it down. Um, and there apparently are some real life Finn Sterlings. Uh, and I don't know where they are, but I was kind of shocked to see that. Um, so I'm going to, I think maybe open up a Twitter account. Maybe I'll do some Instagram stuff and who knows, maybe I will, um, 
I'll, I'll open a, a Twitter account tonight. I will do that after you and I get off this call. All right. And, uh, send that link I, over and we'll, we'll, we'll link up to that uh, in the show notes too so people can tell you firsthand uh, what they think of the books that you're voicing. That'd be great. And, and if I do open up an Instagram account or another Facebook page, I'll, uh, I'll put that on my Twitter feed or in Finn's Twitter. How did you come up with the name? I mean, we should ask that since you were surprised to find Finn Sterling's. <laughs> um, a friend of mine and I, we were just, I was on my way to like John, the producer told me, you know, you probably want to come up with a pseudonym. And so I called my friend and said, you know, look, I got to think of a, of a fake name and I've got like five minutes to come up with this. <laughs> and so, you know, I said, I want it to be something pretty masculine, but I also wanted to have sort of like a, a cool, you know, kind of a, some, a cool first name too. And so I think I came up with Finn and she came up with Sterling. Um, if I remember correctly, but one of, it was either, either that or vice versa. Uh, but so I, she was just helping me think of, of, um, you know, masculine rock hard sounding names. It's a good name. I like it a lot. <laughs> so well done to both of you for that one. And thank you for um, letting us out you as, as, as Jess Hanks on the podcast. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, Jess, it's been awesome talking to you. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for a great job on Hockey Player's Heart. And uh, when you have more books out, perhaps come back and talk to us again. I will, Jeff. My pleasure. It's been very nice talking to you. And, and thanks so much for, for getting in touch and, and asking me to do this. It's been great. So thank you once again to Finn for joining us here on the show. That was a great interview. Yeah, I w- it was kind of cool to get to out him as his, as his alter, his real alter ego, Jess. Uh, so that was fun, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody enjoyed getting to find out a little bit about him. I always enjoy finding out more about the audiobook narrators, because they yeah. don't, they're not always front and center out there. Uh, a lot like Iggy Toma, he is not uh, out there a lot on social media. He just set up a Twitter account coming off of this interview, as we heard <laughs> in the show, um, and he did, in fact, set that up. So that'll be in the show notes that you can you know, connect with him on Twitter, at least. Uh, as mentioned, he is, give, well, we are. Uh, in conjunction with him and Dream Spinner Press, giving away four Audible codes. Uh, so four people will win one Audible code apiece, and you can go pick up one of Jess's titles. Uh, there's a rafflecopter on the show notes page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com where you can get uh, your chances to win, and that rafflecopter will be open through Sunday, May 20th. This is U.S. listeners only because these codes are only good for Audible in the U.S. Yes. So... I think that'll do it for this week. I think it will, yes. Okay. Uh, Guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.